0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. So, uh, we we started this series called Fruit Bearing, and the the idea behind it, the essence of the series, is that over and over in Scripture we see this analogy given of God's people that they are like a branch connected to a tree or to a vine, and their purpose, their created purpose, is to produce. Fruit. And this happens over and over in Scripture, and we see this, this metaphor being used. Uh, and so we've been examining what does that mean for us? What is the fruit? And how do we produce it? And, and what does that look like in our lives? And, and, and how does that take shape? Uh, and so we're in the middle of this series, and the first part we started off with is identifying the fruit. The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. That Paul identifies in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit that we are supposed to produce as we stay connected to, to God. And that fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And not just pieces of those, but all of it all at once. Uh, And the only way to actually produce that is, as Gary mentioned last week, to stay connected, to walk with the Spirit, and to allow the Spirit to uh, show itself through you. Uh, because you, you can't produce this on your own. If you try, what you'll do is you'll end up producing pieces of it and you might forsake other pieces of it because it's not a strength of your will thing. It, it's, it's allowing the Spirit to work within you to display itself through you. And uh, as you walk with the Spirit, as you become more like Jesus, the more the fruit of the Spirit manifests itself in your life. And that is our created purpose. And our responsibility in all of that is just to take care of our spiritual needs, which is to do the things that we already know to do. Read your Bible, pray, uh, fast, tithe, Sabbath, um, worship, you know, fellowship. These are all things that we need to be doing. Uh, and we know these things, so you've heard them before. It's not new information, but we need to place them at a higher priority because we want our spiritual life to be healthy. Uh, so that's what this whole series is all about. And today we're going to not talk about a specific passage in the Bible where it talks about fruits. Uh, there's a lot of different... One of the reasons I love Scripture is there's a lot of different types of literature in scripture it's, made, it's composed of, of many different writings, and so you have your poetic writings, you have your prophetic writings, you have uh, laws and commandments, you have letters and, and uh, historical narrative, and you get a lot of different uh, like input in the Bible and I love because that probably speaks to you on different levels. Uh, some of you might be a little more artistic and like the poetry, and some of you might be like more engineering and <laughs> give me exactly what to do and how to do it. And that's what I want. And so uh, you might have different parts of the Bible speak to you. And, and what I love is as you read through the Bible, you learn in different ways from Scripture. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the historical narrative part and looking at a specific person who I believe uh, who, who God calls into service and, and has a specific purpose for his life. Uh, and he develops him in in a particular way, and I wanted to examine that so that we can learn and and see what implications that might have for us as we consider what our purpose is and what God's calling us to. Uh, So we're going to look at at, uh, a man named David, Uh, and I'm specific about this. This is something like a a Corbin thing. Uh, I don't really like when we say characters in the Bible because it makes it sound like it's a made-up thing. It's fictitious. Uh, This is a real person. He really existed a long time ago. Lots of history, history. Tells you that this man was a real man, uh, and and the Bible does a pretty good job of explaining his story. Uh, and we actually even get to see a little bit later some of his own words. Um, so we're going to look at a man named David. Uh, we're going to look and see his story in First Samuel sixteen, where really his the the essence of his life and how he comes into what God has planned uh, takes shape. And it, and it starts in First Samuel sixteen, verse ten through thirteen. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So uh, what's happening here is Samuel is a prophet. He is uh, a man and what that word means is just a messenger. So God uses people to speak on his behalf and, and they're known as prophets. And at this time, the prophet that God is speaking through is Samuel and he's been helping lead God's people uh, to worship God and continue to follow God and try to stay connected to God like this series is, is trying to uh, help us do. Um, and so Samuel it has this purpose and he, what ends up happening in, in this particular period of, of Israelite history is they've occupied the, the nation, the promised land that God had given them and they've, they've kind of filled it out. Everything's like working well uh, but the people of Israel decide, you know what? Every other nation has a king. We want a king. Uh, we're kind of tired of not having a king. We want someone we can look up to, someone to lead us, someone to inspire us. We want, we want a king. Uh, and Samuel and God both don't really like this idea because God's their king. And they don't... Humans, as we know, are, we have faults. We have, we have failures. And, and so if we have a king with that much responsibility, that much authority, it could lead to some messy issues. And so we don't want that. We'd rather have God be king. But the people are adamant, saying, no, 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 we want a king. We want a king. Uh, and so Samuel and God, they eventually relent and say, okay, we'll give you a king. And uh, they pick a man named Saul. And uh, Saul is, it becomes king, and he seems like an okay king at first, uh, but at some point, the Lord rejects him. And it's pretty interesting. It's one of, it's one of my more favorite stories in the Bible uh, because it doesn't seem that significant what Saul does. Like, you wouldn't be like, oh, man, like, obviously he disqualified him, cancel, you know? Like, no, that's not. It's not something that obvious. Uh, What he does is he offers a sacrifice to God. Like, oh, wait, you're not supposed to do that? No, no. He was actually told by God to offer a sacrifice, but he was supposed to wait until Samuel showed up so Samuel could do it. But there was a group of people that were clamoring, wondering, Samuel's late. He doesn't know, he can't text in this time. So he doesn't know like how long Samuel's gonna be there. So he's just waiting on Samuel. People are clamoring like, when are we gonna do this? And eventually Saul just decides, I'm just gonna do it myself. I'm going to make the sacrifice myself and that was significant enough for when samuel shows up he says you're not going to be king anymore you're not fit to be king you're not fit to lead god's people because you are trying to take a place that's not yours and you're trying to do something a way that wasn't told by god for you to do you were you did the right thing you did it in the wrong way you were, you didn't wait and uh, that's actually a common theme. Uh, Moses uh, is another character in the Bible, another, sorry, another person in the Bible, uh, that uh, he was leading God's people, and at one point God told him to do something, and he did it slightly the wrong way, and he didn't get to go to the promised land because of that. So God, we understand that God is not just telling us what to do, but he also wants us to do it the way he's telling us to. That Both are important. Uh, and very significant. And Saul is rejected as king because he doesn't do things the way he's supposed to. And so Samuel has to find a new king. Uh, God tells him, stop being depressed about the last king. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad. He does, he's not listening to me. He cares more about what people think. It's not good. But we're going to go find a new one. Don't worry. I have another guy picked out already. And so he goes to, the, to Jesse's family. Uh, Jesse is David's dad. Uh, and he has eight sons, and so he has them pass by Samuel, and uh, Samuel's just kind of waiting for God to tell him, "Okay, this is the dude." So i, I imagine imagine kind of like a like a uh, modeling strip where they're just like, and they're just waiting for uh, Samuel to be like, "You're it," you know? And but it's not happening for any of the first seven sons, uh, and they didn't even bother to bring David because he's pretty young at this time, so they're like, "Oh, it's probably not him." Um, but as it turns out. They go and get David, and David walks before uh, Samuel, and Samuel's like, ah, this is it. And so God tells him to anoint him. And I love that it points out that he, uh, he's ruddy, has beautiful eyes, and is handsome, because clearly God calls all handsome people, exhibit A. Uh, and anyway, no, <laughs> no, uh, thank you for laughing. That would have been awkward. So um, God uh, calls, Dam- or calls David to Become the next king, but David is, at this time we believe we don't know and it, like we don't know all the ages. We only know one age specifically in David's life that's recorded. Uh, but at this time, we're pretty sure he's probably like just entering his teens or in his early teens, and so he's real young. Uh, that's why they didn't even bother to bring him in. You know, he, he's just supposed, he's just taking care of the sheep. Uh, they didn't expect him to be the one that's anointed, but he's anointed. And his life from that point takes a, a typical trajectory, as you'd expect. Like God anoints him as king, and, and things start working out pretty well. He goes into Saul's service, actually. Saul, King Saul, he's still king at the time. Uh, he needs somebody to play music for him, and David knows how to play the harp. And so David goes and plays the harp for King Saul. And uh, then he befriends uh, Jonathan, which is Saul's son. And they become best friends, have a really close Relationship And then he uh, defeats Goliath. you probably heard that story before. Uh, he defeats this giant, this Philistine from Gath. And uh, he, he's their champion, and he's calling out all of Israel, saying, I will fight you and bring out one person to fight me, and, and we'll decide this not by war, but by this battle. And no one wants to fight Goliath because he's massive. But David eventually shows up on the battlefield and says, I'll do it. And he kills Goliath. Um, and so he's getting a reputation. He ends up marrying Saul's daughter. So everything's playing out just right. He's setting himself up to be king. Well, he's not. Like, God is clearly making everything work out perfectly for him to be king. But after Goliath and after all this stuff, his reputation begins to grow and people begin to talk about him. They start this phrase saying that that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And people are talking about how great David is and how powerful it is. And Saul, the king who cares about people's opinions more than he cares about what God thinks, he doesn't like this. He gets jealous and he doesn't want to cede his throne to somebody else. And so uh, he decides to try and kill David. And uh, so right after that, we're going to look at what happens right after uh, Saul tries to kill David and uh, David has to run away. And that's in First Samuel 21, verse 10. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this, is not this David, the king of the land? Notice they think he's king. Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Akish, the king of Gath. So David decides to run. And where does he run? You pay attention to that? Gath. And if you paid attention to my earlier statement, do you know who else is from Gath? Goliath is from Gath. So the man that was their champion, that grew up and became like, you know, we, we, you see someone tall and like he's growing, he's really formidable. And you're like, wow, this is really cool. I'm really proud of this guy. This is awesome. It'd be like if we have a hometown hero that's like really good at sports and stuff. And you're just like, oh yeah, this is our guy. And then someone goes and kills him. Well, that'd be really tragic. Um, but that's what happened. This, this is the guy that David killed. He killed Goliath, their champion, their hero. And he runs to the very place where he's from. And they're like, wait a minute, isn't this David? Isn't this that guy? David is so afraid. David is running from his homeland. He's running from everyone that he's known. His he, he A really sad story. He has to break the relationship with his best friend, Saul's son. And then uh, I'm sure his relationship with his wife, who's Saul's daughter, is probably not doing so great at this time. And everything that was building up, all this... this trajectory of his life was headed towards him being king and everything seemed to work out well all of a sudden it's it's gone and, and he's so desperate he's so scared he decides to run to the very place where he's probably hated most now this is one of the things that is really cool about scripture and one of the reasons why i really like david's story is because we can actually see what david wrote in this very moment what david did what david decided to write the song that he decided to sing at this moment when he is terrified, running away from his homeland, and captured by the Philistines in Gath. So we're going to look at Psalm 56 and see what David had to write at this moment. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly." When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from that I may walk before God in the light of life, so this is the words that David wrote at this moment, and a lot of the times when you see uh, the very next psalm in fact, is another one that he wrote when he 's on the run from Saul and hides in a cave. Um, and you see a, a similar pattern developing in these Psalms, where David acknowledges his, his fear at the moment, the frustration, the, the difficulty that he's facing, and he's, he's starting out with this song, and, he's, he's, and maybe you've had a prayer like this too, where you start with this frustration like, God, where are you? What are you up to? But David's writings and his Psalms always come back to his faith and his trust in God. He can't st- sit in that for too long. He knows, like, yes, everything's bleak and terrible around me, but I remember that you you sent Samuel and anointed me as the next king, and I trust and believe that you are a faithful God, and you're going to bring about the promise that you gave me. I believe in your word, God. I trust in what you say. I trust in you. And so he's, he's dealt with this circumstance that tells him, like, hey, God, I don't see what you're doing. It made sense before that you were going to make me king and, and everything seemed to be working out, but now all of a sudden things aren't working out and I'm in the very land that people hate me. I had to run from my hometown. I had to run from all the people I know to be away from them and I, where are you? And yet he still trusts in God. He still believes in him. He still has this confidence to to know that God is listening and God is for him and God will be there with him and help him fulfill his promise. I wanted to uh, take a look at at David's life for us to understand a little bit about what this means. So I have this graphic. It kind of shows his timeline of his life. Um, Again, the only thing we know for a fact is that David was 30 when he became king. That's the only thing recorded in the Bible. Every other day in his life, we don't exactly know, but based on just historical evidence, we feel like it's pretty confident. We feel like I'm one of the people that decides this. Uh, historians feel like he was in his, his early teens or maybe not quite a teenager yet uh, when he was anointed by Samuel, and then maybe in his late teens when he killed Goliath, and then he enters Saul's service at around 20, uh, and then everything goes poorly from that point on. There's, there's this period of maybe almost 10 years where Saul has been trying to kill him, and he has to live on the run and live in caves and abandon all his friends and, and most of his family, and he has to live in fear and even runs to the king of, of Gath. And so it's, it's, it's a long time that David spends fearing for his life, a long time that everything seemed to work. Ten years, that everything seemed to be flowing perfectly, but then another ten years go by, and that ten years wasn't, didn't seem to work out well. And it it was probably hard for David to understand what God was up to. But he continued to trust. He continued to believe. And at some point, spoiler alert, Saul dies and David becomes king. What's cool is in that time, David uh, develops relationships with some guys uh, that become like his men because he knew he could trust them because if anyone was willing to follow him, they would have to abandon their hometown, their home country and go against their king. So he knew these relationships were strong and he could trust these men and he ran with these men and and wandered with them and, and fled from Israel with them. He built up his family too. And at some point he ends up living in the land of the Philistines and him and King Akish that we were just talking about, they end up developing a good relationship so much so that King Kish defends him before the other Philistines. They're trying to discuss whether or not David should go with them into battle. David's ready to fight with them, but they say, you know what, we can't trust this man. We, we can't let him come with us. And King Akish is like, no, we can trust him. He's been with me all this time. So he's not only developing relationships with his trusted men, he's also developing relationships with people from his enemies, nations around him. He's, he's developing foreign, nat- foreign relationships. That's really cool, especially as he's developing into the king that he's supposed to be. But I think even more so, David is, as we see in his psalms, as he's writing these words, David's developing something very important where he trusts completely in God. That no matter what his circumstances say, no matter what's going on, he's trusting and believing that God will do what God's going to do. And it's all on God's strength, not his own. In fact, he actually has a couple of moments where he's able to take the life of Saul. He can end his suffering, he can end his fleeing, and he could take the nation that he's been promised for himself. A couple of times, Saul, Saul presents himself basically on a silver platter and David decides not to kill him because he doesn't want to do this on his own hand. He doesn't want it to be about one king supplanting another king. He wants to trust in God and know that it's God's plan and it's God that's going to make him king, not himself. God has been developing David into being the man after his own heart. God is developing David to be the king that he wanted. God is developing David to be the man that can lead his people. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because all of that takes time. It takes a long time for him to go from being a little kid, anointed, knowing that he's going to become king. God had to give him that ahead of time so that he could trust in that and believe in that all his life. But God takes time to develop him into the man, to have the character. And he's still developing it. After this, David doesn't become a perfect king or a perfect person by no means. He makes some mistakes later on too. Some that seem even bigger than what Saul did, but because of the work that God had done in David's life, David becomes the king that God wants, that God can trust, because he knows that David will rely on him and not himself. And David continues to develop and become the man that God wants him to be, to, to fulfill the purpose that God has for him in his life. But it takes time. And I think it's important for us to, as we examine this in our own life and, and that God has called us to produce spiritual fruit, that as God has called us to follow him faithfully, I think something that we have to take into account as we look at other people in scripture, we have to understand that it's gonna take time with us as well. David by no means is, is the only example of this. Abraham's told that he's gonna have a child and uh, be the start of uh, many people in a nation, right? Like so much so that there's more stars in the there's more people in his nation than stars in the sky or sand on the seashore. And he, he's told this at a, at a young age, and it's not until decades later when he's 100 years old that he finally has the son he's promised. Noah has to build the ark probably a lot longer before the, the floods come. There's a lot of not rainy days that he's building that ark until you know, it, it's time for it to be built or time for it to start floating. You know, it's a, it's a long time. And it's not just the Old Testament, New Testament too. I think a lot of people get the misconception that Paul immediately becomes, after he's confronted by the risen Jesus on his way to Damascus, that he immediately becomes missionary Paul. But as he writes into his letter to the Galatians, it takes him about 17 years to develop into the man that is ready to go on those missionary journeys. He learns, he grows, and it takes time. And and same thing with David and the same thing with us. It takes time. As we examine these, this growth that we're trying to do our, and live out our created purpose, we have to understand that, yeah, God has called you to be a part of this and God has called you to produce fruit, but it's going to take time to develop. And if there's one thing I've learned as a pastor and as I've watched youth students over the years, um, whatever comes easy, goes easy. Whatever comes quickly, goes quickly. I've seen a lot of students come to to camps and things and I, I love seeing the fire that goes within them, but I also notice that sometimes that fire can be snuffed out just as quickly. But the kids that, that struggle and that you have to fight with from time to time, that ask some seriously deep questions that you have to be like, okay, hang on, I don't know the answer to that. Let me look that up. The kids you know, you have to, you know, God tells you to love, so you have to love. You know, those kind of kids, that I was, I'm just kidding, guys. Jeez, <laughs> I love the kids. No, yeah, I, I, uh, I was one of those kids, and, and I saw as God developed in me, and it took time, and I didn't immediately jump into this crazy relationship where it was like love at first sight with god it took time to develop and because of that i believe that's this really solid foundation that it's not easily taken away either it's not easy to shake the foundation god has built in my life because it took a lot of time to build i think of it like a a fire often when you build a fire you understand that you know yeah you can use lighter fluid and paper to make that thing go off real quick but it's going to burn out really fast too the best thing to do is actually build some, to bring some logs and allow the fire to, if you do the effort and bring the sticks and the logs and chop it all down and so that you have the uh, fire, that's a s- sustainable fire that'll last. You Still need some of that, that, those sparks to start with. But if you do the work, if you take your time, it'll last longer. And I believe that's what God's doing in, in my life and what God did in David's life. And I believe that's what God wants to do in all of our lives is to take his time to build something that sometimes takes a while and we have to remain faithful and consistent in that. And as we do that, we'll build something that lasts. We'll have something that lasts. We'll stay connected a whole lot longer. and We'll produce fruit a lot longer because of what God is doing in our lives. So, uh, I wanted to draw our attention back to this tree analogy. Um, our tree's not doing so good. And I, I, uh, I bet you were thinking in the first week, if you were here, I presented these two trees as, a, as, a, as an analogy of, of the two types of ways we can pursue this relationship with God. One is the real way where we genuinely have real life, real life church, we, we have real life and have a real relationship with God and eventually can produce fruit, or we fake it and make it look like we do. It's easier, it's quicker, and sustainable because we don't have to worry about it at all. We just keep presenting it like it's there and is, even though it's not. And so I was presenting these two analogies and originally that tree looked a lot better and it was probably easy to choose. Oh yeah, we'll choose the real life one. It looks about the same. Now it's a little harder to choose it, right? Yeah, like you're just looking at this like, oh, actually that looks kind of decrepit and sad and maybe I don't want to pursue real life because it's harder. Uh, I'd love to tell you that I planned this all out and this was an analogy, but uh, it was ignorance and negligence that led to this poor tree's demise. Uh by the way, I'm trying to save this tree desperately. If anyone knows how to help me, <laughs> please help me. Uh, but this is still something I want to pursue. I don't know about you, but I, I don't care that it looks a little sad. I, I believe in this. I believe what God is doing in this tree's life much more than this tree's not life. And even though this might look good, it might be easy for a pastor to stand on the stage, look at my congregation, they all look so good. I don't care. I'd rather this. And I learned a couple things, God being God. He taught me a few things. Uh, this tree, the first thing that that happened when it started to die, do you know what happened? You can kind of see it. The leaves die. The very thing that makes this thing look good is the first thing this thing abandons to try to save its own life. Something there. Anyway, uh, I started to just notice as I cared for this tree, I, I wanted to see this tree come back to life. And I, I started to think about it this week as I was, trying to bring this tree back to life. Um, and I started praying and thinking, okay, you know what? This is, this is kind of what happens in our spiritual life. I think initially, when we come to our faith in Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, we have this initial idea that, yeah, I'm pursuing real life. That's an obvious thing. I'm, I'm pursuing a genuine tree. But I think it's when we hit these, these difficult moments, maybe like David, when he hit his difficult moment and suddenly his life doesn't look so good and everything's not working out the way he thought it would anymore. It's at those moments when, when life starts to sap away and our leaves don't look so good. I think it's at that moment where the enemy comes in and is like, hey, wouldn't it be easier just to paste some fake, tr- fake leaves on there? Wouldn't it be easier just to pretend like you're doing okay, to make it look good? And that's when I think we make that shift to turn into that tree. I don't think any of us start with that notion, but at some point we turn to that notion just because it's easier than doing the long, hard work of bringing this tree back to life. And we don't want people to know. We don't want people to know that our, our branch is a little sad. We don't want people to know that our leaves are falling off. And so we hide that and we put on some fake ones. And I started to think about that more and more and I was realizing, you know what, I, I so desperately want to be a part of a church where I can be honest with you that my, a lot of my leaves are sad. Some of them have fallen off and I'm not doing so good. I want to be a part of a church where that's okay to say. I want to be a part of a church where I can be encouraged and loved and, and known for that so that real life can still happen. And I want to be a part of a church where everyone can feel a part of this, that can know that it's okay to to have your leaves look a little sad and it's okay to do that because the the thing we don't want to happen isn't your leaves falling off, it's turning into that. That's the thing we don't want to happen. What we want to happen is you to be honest so that we can start to care for it. This This tree is crying out. And that's what I hope we start to recognize in each other is that when our spiritual lives are suffering and we see that, you know what, you're not looking as good as you were before, that's not, that's not a time for you to just start faking it until you make it. That's a time for us to come around you because you need help. That's a time for you to recognize yourself, like, okay, I can't do this on my, no- my own. I need help. And we work together and we grow together and we hopefully see life again together. We don't get that way if we start pasting on fake, fake leaves. The other thing that I noticed this week as I was caring for this tree is how desperately I wanted to stick a hose in the base and just watch the leaves just unfurl and, and grow back to life. I so badly wanted to see this thing. Like, and I know, I know that's not the way to do it. Like, I, I clearly don't know very much about trees, but I, I know that much that I, if I drown this tree, it's not going to live. But I wanted to. I, wanted, I know it's been wanting water and sunlight, and I put it in the sun and I gave it some water, and I really wanted to just keep giving it water until it came back to life. It doesn't work like that. Even though those leaves fell pretty quickly, it's going to take a long time for them to grow back. And it's not my job to will it and hope that it'll happen immediately, it's my job to be consistent and just be patient. And eventually the leaves will grow back if i take care of this tree and if it's if it's repotted and and given what it needs and pruned at some point and we be patient and i consistently water and take care of its needs it will grow back but it's frustrating it's real frustrating because you you just you want it to go back to the way it was but it takes time just like god took time in david's life god took time and Abraham's life and Paul's life, God took time in my life. He's going to take time in all of our lives to help us have healthy spiritual lives. It's going to take time. And it's not going to look super good all the time. And that's okay. We need to have patience. And when I say that, I mean patience with yourself. It's okay that you don't look good. Have that patience. Sometimes, especially those of us who've been around Christian circles for a very long time, we don't often have a lot of patience for ourselves. And No, no, no. I'm supposed to be better than this. It's okay. Give yourself the grace. It's going to take some time. But also have patience with the Spirit. God's at work within you, trying to help develop you. Give Him some time. We, we want things to grow immediately. We want things to go back immediately, but it takes time. And trust that God's going to do, like David did, trust that God's going to do what He says. He's going to fulfill His promise within you. You just got to be patient. And continue to care for your spiritual needs. Continue to be consistent and faithful in that. Because God, I promise you this, will always be faithful with you. He will always be faithful with his side of this relationship. There's a few points that I wanted to bring up today. The first is that bearing fruit is not immediate, but inevitable. This is something I kind of mentioned in the first ser- or first sermon of this series, uh, but it's something that I think bears repeating If you want to bear fruit, if you want to display the spiritual fruit in your life, if you want to look like a healthy Christian that is honoring and glorifying God, that is drawing near to becoming Jesus of Nazareth, understand that that's going to take time, but inevitable. As long as you keep caring for the needs of of your spiritual life, I promise you it is inevitable. Like David had that promise. He knew. The one thing David didn't doubt was like, you know what? God said it, I believe it. That's it, that's all that matters. I'm gonna keep trusting in that. I'm gonna keep believing in that. And I promise you this, God is going to be faithful and you will bear fruit. It is your created purpose if you're caring for your spiritual needs. You just It's gonna take some time, but it will happen. Have confidence in that. the next thing I wanted to say, um, the next point is you can't see growth, but you can measure it over time. This is something that a pastor, as I was doing some study, I was listening to him and he said this and I thought it was super cool. Uh, my wife and I have this little uh, tree that we bought a little while ago, uh, and it's doing really well. So I don't kill all trees just so everyone knows. Um, but it's got this new leaf that's been growing and it seemed day after day, this leaf just got bigger. And now it's the biggest leaf on the tree. It's, it's really incredible. Um, but if I had sat down and just watched that leaf, I'd have, I wouldn't have seen anything change. <laughs> I, I would have wasted a few days, honestly, just being like, you know, trying to watch this leaf grow, but it doesn't, it doesn't grow like that. It takes time. We, we kind of want to see that. You know, have you ever seen those time-lapse videos of trees growing? And you, you kind of want to see that happen, but that's not how it works. It takes some time for those things to grow. And you can't see it happen, but you can measure it. And this is something that in our American culture, uh, we want things immediate, we want things now, and we also uh, want to look forward, but we forget to look back. And I think as we consider our spiritual life, and something that happens in Scripture over and over again, God gives a command to remember, to remember, to remember. Not just what he's done, but remember what God has done within them. Uh, he continually commands his people to remember what he's doing in their lives, and to reflect on that. And I think it's important for us as we, we try to grow spiritually, we, we, take, we, take, we keep track of what God's doing in our life. So if you've been a Christian more than a year, think back to last year and where you were and what God was doing in your life. Think back to the growth because you can't necessarily see it happening, but you can measure it over time. And the longer you get at this, the more you can see the Spirit's work within you and, and acknowledge that and reflect on that and remember what God has already done. I, I can look back to years of my life and now I've, you know, it's been decades that I've been a Christian and I can look back and see, yeah, I've grown a lot. I've struggled sometimes too. There were some years where I looked pretty sad, but God brought me through those things too. So we need to keep track of our, our uh, relationship with God and our spiritual health. And the other thing, the last thing, the third point, uh, is that spiritual health requires patience and persistence. That, um, like this tree, I know that it it has life in it, and it can live. It's not going to happen immediately, and it's not going to go back to looking the way I want it to look. And, you know, I, I was tempted to replace the tree and see if anyone noticed, but, you know, I don't I don't want to do that because I want to be consistent and I want to live out what God's telling me to do and care for this tree. And that means that I have to be patient with it and I have to be persistent with it. And as I do those things, I know that life will happen again here. And that's the same thing with our spiritual lives. We have to be patient and persistent, trusting that the Spirit's at work and having grace for ourselves and having patience with the Spirit to do its work within us. It doesn't have to happen overnight. And being persistent with our spiritual needs, knowing that we... You know what? I read my Bible today. Doesn't make me, doesn't mean it's, oh, all of a sudden I'm a great Christian. No, that's good. But I got to keep reading my Bible. I got to keep praying. I got to keep tithing. I got to keep Sabbathing. I got to keep fasting every once in a while. I got to keep doing these things to help my spiritual life. And as I remain persistent and patient with those, I will see growth. And I have. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.